Thought maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about four lousy cameos. And no, that is not a movie like Four Wise Guys or Three Wise Guys or whatever that Roddy Piper movie is. This is four lousy cameos. So four different wrestlers, four different movies they were in that had lousy cameos. And before we get started, as always, there'll probably be spoilers about every movie we talk about. Yeah, but maybe not. Yeah. Maybe no spoilers. Yeah. You never know. It's a grab bag. We don't even know what's going to happen on this one. No. We have talked about cameos in the past. We did a mm-hmm. show on Bam Bam Bigelow cameos, which was awesome. We got to cover, you know, the different films that Bam Bam popped up in all in a very short period of time. We got to see his entire trip out to Hollywood where he yeah in Joe's apartment and in major pain, you know, and we got to see him in, in, in ready to rumble later, you know, so that was very cool. We did Hulk Hogan cameos because Hogan. Yes. Being a superstar has done a bunch of movies and then would be asked to do these really good cameos. Whereas Bam Bam, Major Pain, fantastic cameo. Joe's Apartment, we think something got cut out of the movie. And the other one, he's a cameo where he's being a wrestler. So that's no big deal. But Hogan, he got a lot of that, you know, uh, hey, you're a big shot. Come on and give us the rub. You know, come on Mm -hmm. and just pop up. People go, whoa, that's that wrestling guy. Mm -hmm. And the other guy who got that. Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah. And so we covered some of his cameos where he would, you know, pop up in a movie and you'd be like, wow, there's Jesse, the, the, that, that retired wrestling guy that we see on TV, you know, that's in those other movies. We've seen him in Predator, but now we get to see him for two and a half minutes in this film. That's exciting. <laughs> yes. And his cameos were for the most part really good. You know, the ones we talked about, we were really interested in. Uh, these cameos are all cameos that are just not very good. And there's various reasons why, but these are all pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, and in in one case, there was a a cameo that we weren't even sure was a real cameo until we really, really, really (laughs) dig through the movie. Yeah, yes, indeed. (laughs) You know, it's not even the... it's That's not... That covers almost all of these. I will tell you, (laughs) these are all movies that we've seen... And uh, with one exception, which we'll get to, but um, these are movies that we've we've seen and uh, don't remember the cameo where we didn't even notice, you know, mm-hmm. and and you had to look for them. You're like, ah, oh, there you go. That's that's where they are hidden. Uh, why don't we start things off with Die Hard Three? Yes, Die Hard with a Vengeance from 1995, a big summer movie that year. Did you go see it in the theater? Was it uh, was it your on your plate that summer? No, actually, the first time I saw it, and one of the reasons that I had such a bad feeling about this movie for so many years was I watched a bootleg VHS copy of it, and it was one of those camcorder bootlegs at a friend's house, and I 
we should, before you go any further, we should explain this because mm-hmm. I think that uh, a lot of younger people may not understand what this means because they still do them a lot of times with yeah. camcorders. But back then, you would have a camcorder that wouldn't sync up at all with the picture. Those non-digital camcorders, mm-hmm. you'd get these bars scrolling up and down. The picture would blink. The picture would would pulsate in front of you it was terribly grainy and out of focus and odd angles and you could hear people murmuring and i'm gonna need some popcorn oh oh, oh, that seems funny you would get all kinds of weirdness which today when you go download a torrent or whatever the kids Mm -hmm. do with a with a movie uh even if it's recorded with a camcorder it is recorded so much better than than what we put up with if you were Unlucky enough, like in your case, uh, to see one of these uh, these bootleg films back in the day. So you're watching this film. Tell us about the actual film of Die Hard Three. What the what the bootleg looked like? Do you remember the cover? Um, I actually, I I think it was just you know a, a photocopy of of whatever the you yeah. know the the movie. Probably the the ad in the newspaper. You know what it usually was? Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes they'd have photocopies. A lot of times they'd have pictures. So the guy would just take a photo of a poster, and then they'd print a thousand copies of that photo, and they'd slide that in there. And, like, if you'd look closely, you'd be like – Oh my God, a, a bird crapped on this poster. You know, this is a poster that's out in front of a theater someplace. Yeah, yeah. So what do you remember about this experience? It soured you on the film? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. It's still not one of my favorite in that series, but uh, it's definitely it was unfair of me to have my first viewing of it be such a, a, a you know a, a you know an unspectacular uh, presentation of the film. It is true. You know uh, what did what did everybody else think though? Were you alone in not liking this at that viewing? No, I think most of the people there. Um, you know, uh, didn't really respond too well to it. And I think it was one of those things where that was such a, it's an action movie. So a lot of times there might've been something that happened on screen that we didn't even see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that was the case. Those, I always found those bootlegs were never good if you hadn't seen the movie already. Yeah. It, yeah. It's one of those things. If you had seen the movie, you know, you're, you're, you're watching it again because you want to see it again and it's not going to be out on video, especially back then. You know, I mean, sometimes it took, you know, a year or even two for a movie to come to, to, to VHS. Yeah, no, that's true. And and uh, it also, uh, watching a movie for the first time, if it's a good movie, there are so many times where I'll watch a movie and I'll be doing something else and I'll get part of the way in and I'll be like, this movie's really good. I gotta, I gotta start this movie over and focus on this movie. And then other times I'll be watching a movie and doing other stuff and be like, I can do a lot of other stuff. I can, I can go take a shower and come back. It's all right. If I turn this off and I don't get to the end, no big deal. But Uh you know, there is that feeling, you know, that, you know, and here's a, a diehard movie. You're a big fan of the diehard franchise, right? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I enjoy those movies. I, I have, I have them all except for the new one on Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the new one? I haven't even seen that one yet. Yeah, I actually, when I bought the Blu-ray set of the, uh, the, the first three, um, it came with uh, movie money to go see uh, the newest one. Oh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty neat. 
I I really like that first one. I watch it almost every Christmas. I've mm-hmm. been to the Nakatomi Plaza out there in Los Angeles, and it's it's just such a fun, exciting movie. Second one's not bad. Second one, every once in a while I watch that. I still am surprised when that plane blows up. See, there's the spoiler, Craig. And yeah, you're yeah. To spoilers. You, and we spoiled part two even. We didn't even spoil part three. <laughs> but part three is an unusual one. I watched it again recently because I knew we were going to talk about it. And mm-hmm. this is a movie that it feels very different than part one and two. Yeah, and actually, uh, former guest of the show, screenwriter, Hollywood screenwriter Johnny Sullivan, mm-hmm. actually, I had an exchange with him um, back when the fourth movie came out. I was watching all these and tweeting about him. Yes. And when I tweeted about part three, uh, Johnny Sullivan, um, director, wait, uh, screenwriter of? Uh, Recoil. That's the right. Starring? The movie. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, indeed. Um, but he basically let me know that the third Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, was actually uh, an independent script called Simon Says that was sort of turned into a Die Hard movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had I, I I hadn't heard that until you mentioned that. I have also heard that uh, Tears of the Sun, the Bruce Willis film, was supposed to be Die Hard four at one point in time, and then they said no, this isn't working. Uh, wow. But it was the same kind of thing, though, where they had yeah. taken the script and they said, well, we'll make this into it. We'll just put uh, John McClane in it. You know, we'll make it John McClane. And they felt at some point they were like, this isn't working. But uh, this is an interesting film. It's a, it's a film I enjoy more now than when I saw it. I did see it in the theater. And I saw it in the theater with an old friend of mine who I haven't talked to in many years. But I, I'll tell you a quick story about him. He had gone to acting classes in in uh in california for a number of years and then had moved out to to the uh, east coast and he was an older guy than i was so he was probably 10 15 years older than me um maybe even a little bit more than that and Mm -hmm. when we're watching the film about three quarters of the way in there's this scene where they have a bunch of school kids and there's a bomb in like the refrigerator in the school yeah and my friend starts freaking out and he, he goes I know that guy. And so uh, we get to the end of the movie and he's like, I did improv classes with that guy. And he was like, that guy is the greatest guy you'll ever meet in your life. I was like, well, let's call him. He's like, I haven't seen him in 20 years. And I was like, oh, okay. But he was very excited that he, that he had his moment of, of fame in that movie. And I, I always remember that every time I see that and he's wiping like the powder on his face, I'm always like, I, I know a guy at one point in time who knew that guy. Oh, that is funny. That's a great story. This movie came out in 1995, May 19th, <laughs> same week as a bunch of other, you know, there was a lot of other competition at the box office. Uh, Crimson Tide was out. Mm-hmm. Forget Paris. While You Were Sleeping and French Kiss. By the way, French Kiss and Forget Paris, two romantic comedies with very similar titles. Yeah. Yeah, they both French-themed. And, exactly. Uh, You've yeah. got uh, uh, Billy Crystal and Forget Paris, which I highly recommend people to watch. It is very funny. William Hickey's hysterical in it. And Billy Crystal is, is a uh, uh, basketball referee who falls in love with Deborah Winger. <laughs> That's great. French Kiss was a dull movie. Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein, and I think he's French, and they probably kissed at some point. Uh, while You Were Sleeping, another romantic comedy. Romantic comedies were all over the box office. I don't know how there was enough money to go around between these three. Yeah, especially in the, you know, the early summer season. 
Yeah, I mean, this was while you were sleeping was the one where the guy gets hit by the train and then uh, 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 everybody mistakenly believes that his girlfriend is Sandra Bullock. Yes. And uh, Bill Pullman, the brother of the guy who was hit by the train, falls in love with her, but doesn't want to be in love with her because it's his brother's girlfriend. But it's not. She, yeah. She's the guy. She's she had never met the the. She just pushed the guy out of the way of the train and was mistaken as his girlfriend. And it's it's a whole mess. But it's got uh, it's got some good good fun times in that movie. I, all of these uh, I I've seen and I've varying degrees of memories of that one. But that one, while you were sleeping, is worth. You know, worth checking out if you if you if you're in the mood for a romantic comedy. But forget Paris. I recommend this to even single guys on your own. Get this movie. It's one of one of the funny Billy Crystal movies. Yeah, uh, yeah it was actually on like uh, it was on one of the cable channels the other day. I, I caught the beginning of it. There is a uh, slight wrestling connection I've always found to this movie, which is uh, he's got to travel on to pick up his his dad. His dad was uh, his dad died in another country and had to be transported. And I always think about Andre the Giant, who was visiting his father's funeral when he died, and they had to fly him to the U.S. to cremate him because there were no crematoriums big enough in in France. Wow, that's such a crazy story. <laughs> yes, and then he was his ashes are scattered at his ranch, but uh yeah, he was just too big. Mm. He's too big for France had they they had no defense. <laughs> um also in the theater number 7 uh at the box office was Friday. Yes, Ice Cube. And but more importantly, Zeus. <laughs> oh yes, yes, Debo. So very interesting, interesting wrestling connection. So let's get to the first important wrestler that shows up in this film, Craig Cohen. Who is it? It is one of my favorites from 1995, Ludwig Borga. (laughs) Craig, tell everybody the story about your Ludwig Borga experience at a wrestling event. So in (laughs) in 93, um, uh, the Survivor Series was in the Boston Garden. So um, my uncle, his brother, lived up in the Boston area, and he got us all tickets to go see the Survivor Series. Mm -hmm. So I got really, really excited. They were ringside seats. You actually, if you watch the pay-per-view, you can see me. I'm right behind um, the Hart family. Uh, They were right behind um, the commentary table. So I was really, really amped to bring a sign. So uh, I sat down, and I made a sign – with probably a really, really bad drawing of like Ludwig Borga on it. And, you know, like the words, the Hellra- uh, Helsinki Hellraiser. <laughs> and I was all excited to uh, get my sign on the pay per view. We get to the event and security takes my sign away. <laughs> they didn't look at it or anything. They just said, you can't bring a sign in. And they took my sign. Yeah. And- signs weren't as big then. Yeah. And I guess maybe it was the fact that we were going to be right behind the commentary team that they, you know, you know, they, you know, they said you can't be holding up a sign, you know, but I would have been respectful. I would have only hung it, you know, held it up during uh, Ludwig's portion of the program. Um, so great. But I didn't even make an attempt to get the sign back. Like I didn't say, hey, can I can I claim it at the end of the night? So it's <laughs> something I definitely wish I had done. I like to think that there's a security guard retired someplace that has <laughs> that on the wall in like his den. Oh, God. That it's in be- a frame matted. Looks beautiful. <laughs> Signed by Ludwig, maybe he got it signed after the show. That's right. I will tell you, um, I had a uh, an interesting Ludwig Borga uh, event, which was I went to a a wrestling event that uh, 
Ludwig Borga was not scheduled to be at, but they were selling bootleg T-shirts outside. And I the the T-shirt had a bunch of superstars on it. I don't know if anybody's ever seen these. I've bought one recently, so they still they still make these. Uh, but they 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 would put a shirt and they just like get like they'd cut out of magazines, photos of wrestlers today. I'm sure they do it digitally and they would put all of the wrestlers that they could get their hands on, you know, picture of on the shirt with really very little thought as to, as to, you know, whether, uh, they would actually be at the event you were seeing or like the shirt I got recently, the Miz is on it three times. <laughs> so whoever was cutting it out was like, is that the same guy? I can't tell. We'll just put him on again, put him on over there, put him over here. Uh, but anyway, I, I bought this shirt. It had Ludwig Borga. I'm on my way into WrestleMania 10 and I'm like, maybe Ludwig Borga is going to be here. He's not scheduled to be here, but heck, he, you know, the, the shirt says he's going to be here. Uh, and he wasn't there. Mm. Well, maybe he was backstage someplace, but he wasn't, he wasn't around. So Ludwig Borga, interesting guy. He's passed away since this movie was made. Yeah, yeah, he um I guess he had a little bit of a, a troubled life and um unfortunately he left us in uh January of 2010. Interesting. But not before having a career as a politician, yes, an author and actor and of course an athlete and a rapper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a mixed martial artist. Yeah, he fit uh, a lot into his 47 years. He did. I mean, he was on he was on the uh uh Finnish version of the TV show Gladiators, then made his way over to the WWF and he was Ludwig Borga. He was a guy who would come in and be like, America is dirty. He was very much like Antonio Cesaro was when he first came in. It was a very similar style gimmick where he was yes. You know, he was a foreigner and he just thought, and he used to tell us our, we, our environment, we, you cut down trees and your environment is dirty. He was like a tree hugger. Yeah. And yeah. so he put out a rap record and I've read the lyrics cause they're not in English. Uh, and boy, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to, fun to read. It must've been fun to hear. And, uh, and the fact that he was a politician blows my mind. He, uh, from 2003 to 2007, he was a member of Finnish parliament. <laughs> representing the true Finns party as an independent politician. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy thing. And then, you know, uh, eventually had, had some trouble, um, had trouble with like a unlicensed handgun that he, he owned and he, he shot himself with it. And he had had other issues with, uh, uh, drinking too much and, and being hospitalized for that and other things. But yeah, eventually died of a self inflicted gunshot wound. And, uh, it's only 47 years old. Now, in Die Hard with a Vengeance, what does he do for his lousy cameo? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I watched this movie within the last three months, I'd say. And when I was watching it, even when he was on screen, I I, I kept forgetting that we, yes. I was looking for Ludwig Borgie. He plays one of the henchmen. Yep. And at one point, he, he, he dresses up as a cop. Right. And he delivers a briefcase to somebody. Yeah, and they're worried about uh, they're worried about hurting kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, he's he's just kind of there. Uh, yeah, it's, I, a, it's a bad bad cameo. Yeah, I remember when I saw the movie for the first time in a non bootleg setting. There was a, a car chase scene, I think, through the park, and there's a guy that sticks his hand out the window and shoots the gun. And for the longest time, I thought that was Ludwig, and it might have been. Right. But his real key scene is the one where he's dressed up as a cop, and yeah. 
you know, I think out of all the cameos we're going to talk about, <laughs> as lousy as this one is, it's the most substantial. Yeah, well, I should say, anybody that wants to see this one, uh, you can Google it and see a still image of it, and you'll have seen enough. You can watch the movie, uh, but don't bother to look for them. You know, if you see them, great. But if not, just enjoy the movie. Uh, and, and that is Ludwig Borga in this movie. And I like Ludwig. You always say Ludwig. Yeah, I'm not sure what the... I think I, Gorilla and Bobby had the same disagreement. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're in good company then. Let's go to our next film, Shoot 'em Up. <laughs> yes, and this is the one uh, with the the cameo that we cannot verify for the longest time except for in print. Um, Shoot 'em Up came out in September of 2007. And if you look really hard, eventually you will see Christian. That's right. It is such a weird one. Now, I must confess, I have not seen this movie yet. And you've mm -hmm. built this up. You've said this is a really good film. Yeah, it's sort of a, an interesting take on the over-the-top action film. Almost imagine if, like... Somebody made an action movie that was inspired by Looney Tunes. Um, okay. <laughs> that's kind of what you get with Shoot 'em Up. It's, it's over the top. It makes some of the 80s movies look tame in comparison. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, so tell everybody about his cameo, which is really, even when you showed me a 10-second clip maybe, mm -hmm. and you told me where he was, <laughs> I still didn't see it and had to slow-mo it. Yeah, during uh, towards the end of the movie, um, there's a, a sequence with uh, a senator um, or a congressman or or a politician of of some sort, um, definitely at that level. And he's got a security detail, and they're on an airplane, and there is an altercation. <laughs> and if you look at the right moment, uh, Christian pulls out a gun and points it at somebody. Yes. <laughs> Um, this film did pretty good at the box office. Uh, it, it opened at number four, which, which I, I don't think was too bad for the type of film it was. And it had some pretty good competition. Uh, number one was 310 to Yuma. Number two was Halloween. Again, this sounds like I could be talking about 1970 <laughs> if I'm saying both of those movies. Yes. Uh, but no, this was the remake of both of those films and then mm -hmm. super bad. Which, if you flip it around to Super Dad, we're back to the 70s. Yes. We've got Bob Crane on water skis, <laughs> uh, followed by Shoot 'em Up. Uh, let's go through these, these first few films here. Mm -hmm. um, 310 to Yuma. Have you seen this version of it? Yes, I did. I saw it in theaters. Um, I'm a big fan of the author who actually passed away uh, earlier this week, Elmore Leonard. Um, it was one of his westerns. And uh, really, really good, enjoyable uh, Western, in my opinion. You got a great performance from Russell Crowe and Christian Bale, you know, turning in a pretty enjoyable performance as well. Now, um, Elmore Leonard, and correct me if I'm wrong, did he do a movie that The Rock appeared in? Yeah, he actually wrote the uh, the novel Get Shorty and its sequel, Be Cool, and The Rock actually is in Be Cool. And interestingly enough, and I think I mentioned this on a prior episode, mm -hmm. Um, in Be Cool, he basically wrote the character as The Rock. Um, it's not The Rock, but you could tell that he modeled him after The Rock. And then when they made the movie, um, it, I'm sure the casting agent was like, well, my job's pretty easy here. Yes, indeed. The uh, The original 310 to Yuma I actually have seen is 1957. So it was 50 years before the uh, the remake. Yeah. Um, but I uh, don't know anything about this. I have seen the original of Halloween as well, but I have not seen this remake. What's your take on it? 
Um, I think the, the, the two Halloween remakes, uh, were, were very, very polarizing. Um, which side of the poll were you on, Craig? Um, at the time, um, I, I didn't care for, for them. Um, I've since sort of mellowed my opinion a little bit. I mean, they had Rob Zombie come in and remake it. And the problem was for the first half, you had this Rob Zombie movie that, you know, felt and looked like a Rob Zombie movie. And then it seemed like all of a sudden somebody said, you know what, Rob, you should just remake the first movie. So there's a point where from, you know, let's say the the 90 minute mark on, it just becomes almost a shot for shot remake of the original movie. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So it just had, you know, a real like tonal inconsistency. But, um, you know, uh, it's got some interesting visuals. And, you know, Michael Myers is 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 a kind of a cool character. So uh and it's got Malcolm McDowell in it, who uh, who plays Loomis. Uh, Very good. And you just met him. Yeah, I met him uh, this past weekend. Yeah, he was uh, kind of a kind of a neat, uh, neat, cool guy. Yeah, he was. Uh, I confuse very... him with Roddy McDowell a lot, and I I thought he was dead. Yeah, well, they're both British. Are they related though? You know what? I don't know. I should have asked him. <laughs> I bet you they are. I bet you they're like second cousins or something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to find out. But so what what was it like meeting him? What did 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 you did I know you got a picture with him? Yeah, I actually I asked him about his appearance in Star Trek Generations. He his character kills and we're gonna off. spoil generations here. Yeah. His character kills or is responsible for the you know, Captain Kirk's death. Now I have heard that yeah. he he got death threats for this. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well those Trek fans, they're pretty uh you know, they're they're a pretty serious bunch. So uh, they they shot that whole sequence out in the uh, you know a desert type reason region. So I asked him what it was like shooting in the desert, and he said that you know they spent a couple weeks out there, and he said it was a really really pretty you know beautiful landscape, but uh, it's not somewhere he'd want to live. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I I um, the only thing I could say is that I was once in Roddy McDowell's bathroom. Um, okay, how did that happen? Uh, well, it's it, see, it sounds far more exciting than it is. Uh, but he is uh, his bathroom after he died was moved to a museum in Hollywood. Really? <laughs> because his bathroom was apparently very popular at uh, at parties at his house. People would <laughs> yeah, there there was like uh, carpeting on the wall, and it was just kind of kind of pretty. Um, so yeah. Uh, now I'm going to read to you from Wiki Answers because I've mm-hmm. Googled this because I, I was going to try to find the answer and just be like, ah, I'm so smart. I just remembered. I had forgotten before. Is Roddy McDowell related to Malcolm McDowell? The answer, I believe not. <laughs> Darn. Um, no, wait. I think there's, I think there's, there's some more here that we may, <laughs> we may want to understand. Okay. Because there's there's a little more detail. Uh, another person says, "Is Andy McDowell related to Roddy McDowell?" <laughs> <laughs> so just muddied up the whole thing. Um, according to the Phineas and Ferb wiki, not related to, but shares more than just the last name with Roddy McDowell. Hmm. What else does he share? Hold on. Not related to, but shares more than just a last name with Roddy McDowell. Uh, and this is, they're talking about Malcolm McDowell. Roddy McDowell played several roles on the first Fantasy Island series. One of those roles was a devil, and it's like Mesophilites. Sure. <laughs> Mistopheles? Mistopheles, thank yes. you. 
Uh, Malcolm McDowell's version of Rourke on the Second Fantasy Island series was much dark, darker than Ricardo Montalban's version. So um, I guess what they're saying here is they both appeared on Fantasy Island. Is that, uh, is that possible? I guess yes. Different, yeah, different uh, versions, though. Uh, yes, they have, uh, they've both played uh, Mr. Rourke on Fantasy Island. But what does he have in common with Roddy McDowell? Hold on. Well, no, Roddy oh, okay. McDowell right. guested on Fantasy right. Island. I think we got this. All right. And so, Malcolm played Mr. Rourke. Yes. Yeah. All right. So so there we go. So that they have that, but then they're also not related. I don't know. Has either, Have they taken DNA tests or, or gone on to like uh, Ancestry.com and really know, done the but research I was here? in that bathroom, so I might have some <laughs> DNA. <laughs> uh, so uh, also in the box office at this time, Superbad was out. Mm-hmm. The Bourne Ultimatum. Yeah, one of the Bourne movies. I, w- I couldn't tell you which one. Balls of Fury. I remember seeing this movie. Yeah, actually, and it's funny. The first time I watched Balls of Fury, the, the it's a ping pong movie, Yes, was over somebody's shoulder on a plane. <laughs> they were, like, watching it on their laptop, yes. and I was behind them, and I, I was at a good enough angle where I didn't have to lean or anything. It was just look across the aisle, <laughs> and I was like, hey, they got their laptop open. You know, it was a big enough laptop that I was able to sit there and – and, and watch Balls of Fury. And unlike the bootleg um, you Die Hard, at least I was able to follow the plot here. Of course, I didn't get a lot of the jokes, but it's right. a very visual movie, so I was still yeah. able to uh, enjoy it. Uh, Mr. Bean's Holiday, Rush Hour 3, and also The Nanny Diaries. I remember one line from the trailer <laughs> for The Nanny Diaries. I don't, I've never seen the movie. Craig, do you, you don't, don't, I don't want you to say it. I just want you to tell me, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we could even run the scene if you want. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be the nanny. You be oh. the child. Is that good? Sure. All right. So this is a scene that was in this stupid trailer. And through no fault of our own, every time we went to the movies for, I would say, six years they played this trailer. Yeah. I'm probably exaggerating, but it was a very long time. Every time we went there, it was on, like they called it the 20, I think, and it was mm-hmm. on before the actual trailer. So we'd get yeah. there early, we'd have our nachos, we'd sit there and watch this bunch of commercials and behind the scenes stuff. And yeah. one of the things was the trailer for the Nanny Diaries and the line in it, she goes, why aren't you shaking your booty? <laughs> because I have to make a duty. And some writer thought this was so damn clever. And then some filmmaker thought it was equally clever. Some guy editing a trailer thought it was clever. Somebody that at the studio thought it was so clever it had to be put out there for everybody. And then the 20 stuck it to us over and over. And the worst part, almost every time it got huge laughs from everybody (laughs) around us. Yeah, and that's one of the things where you're like, Really? This is the first time you're seeing this? Yeah. You're like, yeah, not shaking the booty because he's going to make a duty. That's what's going on here. I don't know why he can't shake his booty when he has to make a duty, by the way. <laughs> Shouldn't stop you. Yeah. Let's, uh, so, so that is Christian's cameo in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know if there's more to that story. One day maybe we'll have to corner Christian and ask him, you know, what happened. Yeah. Uh, I know he had made some other independent films around this time. So I'm thinking maybe there was uh, a hope of being on screen a little bit more. And, uh, you know, maybe not that anything was cut out, but maybe he just thought, you know, he might get more FaceTime and he didn't. Yeah. 
Christian, of course, very famous wrestler. I don't think we have to tell everybody who he is. Um, I think, unfortunately, Ludwig, they're not putting out the Ludwig DVD, so we have to have to give a bit of history on him. The yeah. next guy that we're going to talk about, part of one of the greatest wrestling families of all time, Carrie Von Erich appeared in a movie, Craig? I, I, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said no. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's talk about who he is very quickly. Uh, Billed from Denton, Texas, the son of Fritz Von Erich, debuted in 1979 at NWA Texas, wrestled in world-class championship wrestling where he was the king, and then moved on to WCW, had a big feud with the Freebirds, and then went to WWE. And here's the thing about WWE that I found so fascinating. And I think a lot of wrestling fans our age, probably unless they were in the area to know those territories, because I would read about the Von Erichs in my wrestling magazines. And you'd, yeah. you'd read about the big feud with Ric Flair and, you know, his, his family, a lot of death in his family. And so, you know, one of his brothers was supposed to fight, fight Flair and then he died. And so Kerry stepped in and, and won the match. But I remember his run in WWF, and he came in, and he was very popular. He beat Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 1990 for the title. And the thing I found out later was his entire run in the WWF, he only had one leg. Amazing. I couldn't believe this. I mean, this, you know, Zach Gowan had nothing on Kerry Von Erich. Kerry yeah. Von Erich had had a motorcycle accident, lost his leg below the knee. Rather than doing what most people uh, would do, which is let people know about this, Kerry didn't want anyone to know because he thought this would make it very difficult for him to continue his wrestling career. So he would hide this and he would not shower at the arena. He'd leave with his clothes on. You know, he'd, he'd go out, he'd come he'd dress to wrestle, he'd wrestle, leave dressed to wrestle. You know, most people that worked with him, and when I say most, I mean almost everybody didn't know that he was missing half his leg. Now, there were rumors about this because, uh, first of all, because he wasn't showering, but yeah. there were also rumors because there had been a match where his leg, uh, where it got turned all the way around. Uh, yeah. but yeah, he would wrestle with that. And I think that is far more interesting than just being a vanilla baby face, you know? Oh, sure. And there was actually, um, I think you're, there was a big, uh, Von Eric themed documentary that um that's out there right yes heroes of world class and wwe has uh has also put together their version of it uh and they're both great they're both mm -hmm. really you know really good documentaries i'm just looking at it from a different perspective but that is a really interesting era i know a lot about it now but when i was younger i knew about it only because i would see it in the wrestling magazines and i knew that mr t went down there to wrestle at one point in time which blew my mind really yeah. it was just in carrie von eric's corner for some bam bam matches but mm -hmm. it was it was an interesting thing and it was this family that you'd read about you know that horrible things would happen to them you know and and they many of them died young there's there's only one real von eric left yeah i can't even imagine what that's like from yeah like what like two of them didn't they die of like toxic shock toxic or something shock syndrome yeah. carrie uh did kill himself yeah um and uh he's just you know his, his family has just had a run of bad luck and uh, you know a lot of it self-inflicted and some of it not self-inflicted um i remember hearing a quote from kevin von eric who is the one von eric who's still around and I, I, I thought this was such a beautiful quote. And uh, he said that 
when September 11th happened, a lot of people wanted him to speak to people that were grieving because they said, you've gone through such terrible things, you know, such terrible tragedies in your life. Uh, maybe you can, you know, help people see that it gets easier. And he said, it doesn't get easier. He said, it gets harder. It mm. gets harder every day. You just get better at dealing with it. Um, and it's very interesting. He has, uh, he's come into WWE for special occasions and has done the Von Erich Claw, which is very exciting. Yeah. Also, Carrie Von Erich's daughter tried her hand at wrestling over in TNA. Yeah, Lacey, who, who used the claw, and she was also in the Wrestlelicious promotion. That's right. Very exciting. So, Carrie Von Erich was in Problem Child in July of 1990. I've seen this movie. I don't remember Carrie Von Erich being in this. No, neither do I. And it's, in all honesty, I, it's probably been over 20 years since I've seen Problem Child. Yeah. I I uh I did look up what he does. Mm-hmm. He's like a Nazi in the prison. There's a prison scene mm-hmm. uh in this movie early on. I think it's even during the opening credits and he's like yes. the muscle for you know this neo-Nazi group. He's <laughs> okay. Kerry Von Erich. He looks he looks very different than you're used to him looking, but he's mm-hmm. Kerry Von Erich, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. he's 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 recognizable enough that if you know to look for him, but it's a lousy cameo. There's you know <laughs> yeah. there's a guy who could have done a lot more on the screen. Problem Child's an interesting one, too, because it was from those two guys that wrote, what, Man on the Moon mm-hmm. and that Larry Flint movie. Yes, the people Scott versus Larry Flint. Yeah, and Larry Karaszewski. And I, I think you originally pointed out to me that Problem Child was originally uh, – they might even refer to it on one of the commentary tracks for those other movies – was a very different script. It was kind of a dark comedy. That's right. Yeah, they had yeah. tried to make uh, a film that was far more sinister than the Dennis the Menace it, it – ended up becoming yeah they they did a lot of interesting films they did a lot of biopics you know they 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 said they didn't intend to but they kind of got stuck being the biopics guys they did autofocus uh which they were they produced you know people versus larry flint which i love which they yeah. uh, uh wrote and then also ed wood uh which uh is a great biopic and has a huge wrestling connection obviously tor johnson's part played by george the animal steel in the movie right uh, and so, yeah, very interesting guys. They've uh, they've they've done a lot of work in Hollywood, and and uh, it's, it's I think it's always interesting when people work together as a team. You know, I I you see that here and there in Hollywood, and it's kind mm-hmm. of always fun. Yeah. Now, how many sequels do you think, or how <laughs> many films total do you think there are in the Problem Child franchise? <sighs> well, I know there's a second one with a girl. I'm going to say four. All right. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. If we count the animated TV series, there was a third one called Junior in Love. Yeah. And then there was the animated series that aired in 1993. Very So nice. uh, I will give you that. This opened at the box office number three. This was a huge hit. Uh, Ghost was number two. Presumed Innocent was number one. Arachnophobia was in the top five, mm-hmm. as well as Die Hard 2. Yeah, Die Harder. Hey, you know, a plane blows up in that. <laughs> So I've heard. Um, also, The Freshman was out, which I really liked. Uh, that was a, a very fun, you know, uh, uh, Marlon Brando turn in that. Um, so, yeah, very interesting film. Uh, you know, it's crazy that he's in it. But next time you watch it, keep a look. Keep a look out for Kerry Von Erich in that film. Mm-hmm. Let's go to our next one. And this is our final lousy cameo. Craig Cohen, Stacy Keebler. Yes, in the John Waters film, Pecker. 
I always confuse Stacy Keebler with Tori Wilson, and I watched during that time, so I shouldn't confuse them. Mm-hmm. But I found that at that time I didn't confuse them. It's now I can't tell them apart. Uh, like their their post wrestling careers seem to be similar to me. Yeah, they both. Um date um big rich powerful men yes i think maybe that's <laughs> it uh she of course uh was in in what i should just remember her from is david flair her relationship <laughs> with david flair um she did have those incredible legs i mean that was like the the big deal i remember showing wrestling to somebody and they were like mm-hmm. i've never seen a woman with legs like that yeah woman's amazing i'm like oh yeah i see her all the time you know she's on tv all the time and then he's like i've just never seen a woman that pretty that is just amazing yeah, and, and Stacy also was somehow miraculously in that era of wrestling able to avoid the plastic surgeon's knife. Ah, you think? I mean, I, I'm not I, disagreeing. I'm just, you know, how do you know? Well, I mean, she was never very, very, you know, ample. Okay. But I'm just saying, they know you, are you sure they didn't touch up the chin? Maybe oh, well, maybe. I mean, eyes? yeah. Well, you're just uh, saying least... she never had a boob job. That's what yes. you're telling me? All right. Yes. I understand. Uh which Stacey. in that era, I mean, it was, seemed like if you were a female yeah. and you came into WWF, that was the first thing Vince did with you. China even got <laughs> implants. <laughs> uh, Stacy Ann Marie Keebler, born October 14th, 1979, is an American actress, model, and retired professional wrestler and ballet, uh, known for her work in WCW and WWE. She's had an interesting post-wrestling career, but I want to talk about her pre wrestling career i want to talk about when she was a nitro girl do you remember this time i remember the nitro girls um and i you know i never really um you know made the connection um i or at least i haven't thought about it in a long time but she was one of those ones where what she transitioned over they yeah, did a storyline hancock yeah <laughs> then she had the, the relationship with David Flair, the pregnancy angle. Uh, I've heard her interviewed recently. She seems to be a pretty sweet person. And uh, I think it's kind of cool that she's had, you know, the success she's had, you know, dancing with the stars and, you know, all, uh, you know, the other stuff she's done afterwards. I think she's got a new TV show where people, she's like a game show host and it's like a supermarket type show. People are running through the supermarket buying stuff. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Supermarket Sweep. Sounds like it. It is instead called Supermarket Superstar on Lifetime. All right. Uh, but actually, no, I'm, I'm looking here. Sadly, it's not at all like Supermarket Sweep. Sweep. It's uh, home chefs prepare their product to be sold in supermarkets. That's lame. Yeah. Oh, I want to see Stacy Keebler be like, on your marks. That's it. <laughs> Go. I always wanted to do one of those as a kid, one of those shopping sprees. Oh, yeah. Sometimes as an adult, what I'll do is I'll go to the dollar store and be like, I'm buying everything, buying one of everything, whatever I want. I'll take two of those, you know, and that's the closest I come to it. I've never gotten to do those. Have you ever known anybody that did? No, no. But I remember when I used to watch that, I'd say, why aren't these people running over to like the meat department and grabbing as much meat as they can? Because you like grabbing the meat. Well, yeah, but it's also, the smart. I, it's the smart move. Yeah, I mean, it's a high ticket item. Yeah, what were they buying? They were just getting like you know macaroni and cheese and stuff. Yeah, you know, thirty nine cents at a pop. Come on. Yeah, no, I got to tell you, 
my grandmother won one of these. And really? the end of the story is that she did go and pick up a lot of turkeys. She okay. picked up a lot of meats and she picked up a lot of uh, olive oil because it was very expensive for a carton of olive oil. Wow. So she, she did, you know, she, she, she practiced the sound strategy. She did. That's what's so funny about you saying this. Mm -hmm. I, I have the newspaper article framed. It's a terribly written local newspaper article, but the story is my grandmother entered. They had a new grocery store. It was like the grocery store was moving across town and mm -hmm. they had a competition where you could enter to win this, uh, you know, the shopping spree. And so she put in her name. And they called her up and they told her she won. And my grandmother was from Italy. And so when they told her she won, she says, oh, yeah, right, and hung up on him. <laughs> and so so they called back and she said, don't call here anymore. And so then they waited a while and they then called again and they and they said, we're calling from the supermarket. You know, you won. And she said, oh, okay, I'll be right there to pick it up. And she hung up on him. Yeah. And didn't go there because she, you know, she just she <laughs> thought somebody was playing a prank on her. I guess in Italy, that's that's all the rage. Sure. So uh, eventually they called again and they got my grandfather and they said, you know, your wife won a shopping spree. It's been like a month. Is she going to come and claim it or not? And so she went over there and uh, the newspaper article profiles that she thought they were pulling her leg. Although they, the, the lady who wrote this article, the quotes from my grandmother are not the broken English. I remember her speaking. You know, this is this <laughs> my grandmother's speaking in flowery terms that that only a novice newspaper writer would would speak in. But anyway, my grandmother went through and I I'm I'm quoted in the article because I wanted jelly beans. My grandmother's smart enough to know she was not picking up jelly beans during her supermarket sweep. She went back in afterwards and bought me jelly beans. Oh, that's great. Because cool she knew story. better. She said, I'm yeah. not going to jelly beans. That's a waste of my time. I step over there and get some jelly beans. I got to get some steaks. I got to get some turkeys. And so she got, my grandmother got, uh, it, it's three hundred and seventy dollars. I have the uh, the 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 newspaper articles right right on the on the wall here. It says a tisket, a tasket, a three hundred and seventy dollar food basket. So nice. And how how many minutes did she have? I don't remember. I, I I'm too far away for that, Craig. Yeah, yes. well, I mean that's a that's a big. That's a big bill to run up. Yeah, Good and this job. was in the 1980s because I was yeah. young enough. Not that I wouldn't have asked for jelly beans today, but mm -hmm. I was a rather young man at the time. So, uh, so anyway, Stacy Keebler shows up in Pecker. Uh, you and I saw this movie in theaters. Yeah, we this saw was, it again after yeah. we knew who Stacy Keebler was. Yeah, this was before her wrestling career, and mm -hmm. this was also during that really, really cool period in John Waters' filmography where he was making sort of mainstream. Mainstream movies, you know, that were still quirky, but, you know, they were getting, you know, real releases and, uh, and you know, stars. They, yeah, 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 this I mean, and then like Cecil B. Demented and what I guess Serial Mom. Serial Mob, definitely. Yeah. I mean, these were these were films that, you know, were, you know, high profile people. Pecker has uh, Edward Furlong in it mm -hmm. during a pretty high point in his career. Christina Ricci was in this movie. Uh, and, and then like everybody else in the movie, there were, you know, like all the peripheral characters were people that, you know, that may not be as big today, but people like, you know, Brendan Sexton, the third mm -hmm. and uh, Martha Plimpton, yeah. who were really big at that time, you know, mm -hmm. and so uh, it was really something. Um, this movie is about a, a guy who, uh, who takes photos. He, he likes to take photos of stuff and, uh, they call him Pecker because he pecks at his food. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically one of those uh, movies that sort of, um, is, uh, a warning about the, the, you know, the, 
the trouble that comes with fame. That's right. I think it was kind of almost a sweet story. I, I yeah. remember really enjoying a lot about it and uh, uh, watching it more than once and being stunned when I read that Stacey Keebler was in it about six months ago. Yeah, and she is in uh, the scene. Uh, the scene she's in, Pecker is on a, a bus, and Stacey Keebler's reading what? The newspaper? Yeah, she's just reading the newspaper. <laughs> and, and she and- looks over at him. Yeah. And that's it. And there's like a conversation with Brendan Sexton, the third's character, and 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 Pecker, which is Eddie Furlong's character, about it's a hot girl on the bus. That's mm-hmm. about it. Not much going on with it. Pretty lousy cameo. Although she does look good in it. Uh, yeah. But come on. No lines. You know. Girl well, on bus is not the character she wanted to be playing, I'm sure. Yeah, so she went and became a nitro girl, and and the rest is history. Yes, indeed. So let's uh, let's go through um, a little bit more about box office. Rush Hour was out at the same mm. time, September twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight, as as Pecker. Uh, Rush Hour three was out the same time as Shoot 'Em Up. So yeah. It's it's funny the connections we got with these. Ronin was out, which I know you and I liked. Mm-hmm. Urban Legend, something about Mary saving Private Ryan, uh, Rounders, which I know you're a big fan of. Yeah, yeah. Blade, Blade. which is just awesome, and the sequel Triple mm-hmm. H in Part Three. Uh, this movie came out at number what thirteen <laughs> yeah. at the bottom. But for John Waters, hey, that's I'm sure he was uh, high five half- in his agent. It's like whoa, half a million bucks. <laughs> that's not too bad. But he since went on to score pretty big. They what? They turned Hairspray into a musical on I, Broadway. Yeah, I think that's where he's made his money now. He hasn't made a movie since 2004, so. I think that did it for him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, very interesting, uh, interesting time at the movie. So this brings us to the question, Craig. We'll go through these one at a time. And do we tap out just to the cameo? And being that these are lousy cameos, there's yeah. a good chance of a clean sweep here. <laughs> Craig, do you tap out to Ludwig Borges' cameo in Die Hard 3? I do not tap out. And the sole reason is because he actually gets to utter some dialogue. All right. Well, I'm tapping out because I didn't know he was in it the first few times I saw this. And I yes. knew damn well who he was. Yeah. And that's bad to me. So mm-hmm. I get a tap on that. Christian and shoot him up. Do you tap out? Oh, I definitely tap out to this one. This is one of those ones where having seen this movie on the big screen, you know, which is mm-hmm. big enough to catch anything and multiple times before I knew Christian was in it speaks to the the the, the level of this cameo. I, I can't do anything but tap. Yeah, I I didn't even see this movie. I do want to, but uh, I can't imagine I'll find Christian in it when I see it. I have seen his cameo and I got to tap out to it. Carrie Von Eric in Problem Child. What do you think, Craig? Uh, the fact that I didn't remember it, I think, speaks enough. Um, I, I have to tap. I, I didn't like Problem Child. I'm not a Problem Child fan. I, maybe I should watch it again as a parent, and maybe I'll be like, oh, look, mm. that's what kids do. Uh, but at the time, <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. Uh, didn't like it. Didn't see any of the sequels. Don't remember Carrie Von Eric in it, and I tap out to it. Stacy Keebler and Pecker Craig Cohen. What do you say? I I, I tap. Sorry, tap. John. I'm gonna not tap to this one. This will be the one that I don't tap to, and it's just because she looks good in it. Yeah. She's not humiliated or embarrassed. She does get kind of a, a nice shot of her face, and it's early enough in her career. This isn't Christian, superstar wrestler showing up in a movie. This is her before she was famous, which is different than everybody else on the list. So I'm giving it up for this one, not tapping out. No, fair enough, fair enough. 
So that uh, that brings to a close our four lousy cameos. Once again, Ludwig Borga and Die Hard 3, Christian and Shoot 'em Up, Carrie Von Eric and Problem Child, and Stacy Keebler and Pecker. Craig Cohen, thank you so much for joining me on this one. Thank you. This episode was a lot of fun. Thank you to you for listening. And we will see you next time right here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to be that? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King. Oh, my God. A four-post massacre. No one can survive this. This isn't even a pay-per-view.